Isn't there like a whole race of toads? Yeah, there is. And he's like, like the patriarch of the toadlings. <laughs> he's, like, he's like the the toad. He's like the air shock of, yeah. the, of the toad clan. <laughs> Right. So, this could feasibly be rated in a episode number 168, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In theory. And this uh, could also potentially be our live, like sort of semi-live PAX Prime 2014 daily wrap-up extravaganza show. Yeah. This has become a thing. Yeah. Where you experience the convention through our tales on the days that we experience them as well. From our hotel rooms. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, we should say we're here in Seattle. We're here at PAX uh, Prime 2014. And this is our report from day one. Oh, we're going to go We're gonna go to day zero. And we are going to go to start, day zero. We're going to start at day zero and work our way forward. So, this is the end of Friday. Uh-huh. And, uh, okay, so let's start with Thursday. All right, Thursday. Um, you flew out on Wednesday night. I did. I flew out... Um, Worked on the the secret uh, day job, and then I flew out late on uh, Wednesday night. Yes. And then I got here around midnight, which is late. And then I hung out in Seattle in the morning, walked around, got some food, just kind of enjoyed, you know, being out and about and um, got here early enough to start seeing, like, the town change four packs, which was cool. And then you got here. Right. And, uh... I want to just, I'm so proud of this. I, you know, in this day and age, we have flights where the, uh, you know, we pay for everything, right? You pay for your, your bag and you pay for your snacks and everything. Uh-huh. I paid a little extra to get a seat that I knew for a fact had an empty middle seat next to it. What? And I feel like that was the best use of my time. And, genius and resources. Absolutely yeah. genius. For the, you know, the five plus hour flight up to Seattle. So that was that was the win. It's so, a long flight from the, absolutely. Uh, from the East Coast. And the guy in the row next to me was like, it's a miracle. And I was like, it is not a miracle. I bought the seat so that, <laughs> somebody else, so that two people didn't buy the seat next to you. But anyways, uh, we'll fast forward to our uh, to our nap. Yeah. So the pre-packs party, we should really consider, at this point, I think nap is kind of, we're stuck with that name. But it's not really a party. And we were kind of talking about that. It's yeah. not like, you know, we had some people that were like... I guess random people sure. show up, which is fine, but th- I think they're expecting more like a boots and cats type of situation. Yeah, but I think by the end <laughs> of the night they they got it, you know. Yeah, and yeah. It's like I don't. It's not a party. I don't think it's an anti party. No, it's just kind of like it's a hangout, you know. Yes, a get together. Yeah, but a meetup sounds so cheesy too. Right. Because a meetup sounds like you know. It's like you're gonna exchange like street pass characters. That's, yeah, that's it's not, not that either. Doing. Yeah. It involves um, actual human interaction. Yeah, yeah. You talk and you you have a beverage, and uh, we had some snacks and desserts this time. So yeah, that was good. We we had it at a lovely uh, Italian restaurant in their in their cafe area. Yeah, it was and, super fun. Uh, staff was super cool, and yeah. we had a great time. And a bunch of people came out. And we always appreciate that. Got to meet like new faces from the internet. Yeah, and, uh, entirely new people altogether, which is great. We met some really awesome people and. Um, 
again, like Scott already said, thanks, but thanks to everyone that came out. It means like a whole lot for us. We, you know, we work on the show every single week and we only get to see everyone a couple times a year. And, uh, it's always cool to interact with the people that interact with us and actually, you know, make our little job doable. So, yeah. So how about Friday? Are we time? Is it time for Friday? Yeah, sure. So anyway, thanks again for the nap guys. You guys are awesome. Yes. Then the convention started and uh, we had media hour. So Scott and I woke up uh, at the crack of dawn to get down to media hour. Um, We say this every time, but media hour is uh, an hour before the convention opens at 9 a.m. They let press in an hour early and you can basically do whatever the heck you want and run around. And, you know, there's not really any lines for anything because there's only a couple hundred press people as opposed to the 70,000. An hour hour is shorter than you think it is, too. It is not a long time. Basically, what that means is you can play... Two things. Two things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two things like yeah. Normally it's yeah, about two things. Yeah. So what do we go do? So you guys you basically you and and the P two R folks convinced us to to go to Dragon Age. Yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition had their uh multiplayer demo on display at the uh Microsoft Xbox booth in the middle of the show floor. And it was so nice that we went to it twice. We did. We just, we, we we did that, then we played Smash Brothers for a minute, and then we went back. But let's talk a little bit about this um, Dragon Age Inquisition multiplayer. Let's talk about our first session and the I guess the class you played as and your overall sort of opinion on it. All right. So session number one, I played as the Legionnaire, who looked like uh, your you know your sword and shield kind of guy. Uh-huh. So like this particular character had a mace, it looked like, and a shield. Um, it, the character was like smaller, so it could have been a dwarf. I couldn't exactly tell. I think it was supposed it. to be a dwarf. Yeah. I think it was a dwarf. Yeah. I was the tank on the team. Yeah. Essentially. And then who did you play as you? I played as a reaver. Okay. And she was, um, you know, huge. She had a gigantic ax and a lot of really like incredible, you know, AOE DPS type abilities. So in like Dragon Age terms, you would have been the two-handed fighter. Yeah, I was a two. I was a two-handed warrior. Um, She had a really cool mechanic that I I really want to talk about quickly. Um, First of all, we played on the Xbox One, and uh, you know, four-player co-op in a game like this, it it turns out it it works very, very well. So you're used to Dragon Age being a little bit more strategic, but this was uh, more about you know really understanding the abilities that your character has and like working together to overcome. You know, insurmountable odds, sort of like we did with Mass Effect Three multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are almost impossible to solo, but as a group, you can do different combos and things like that, which is kind of what we did in uh, DA multiplayer. But um, the one mechanic that really stuck out for me with the Reaver is the fact that she had a block mechanic. Um, if you actually hit B as an enemy was uh, attacking, you could block the attack, parry the attack, and hit back real quick and do a knockdown. So there was actually a little bit of a twitch mechanic, you know, like mm-hmm. Bayonetta, uh, Batman, Arkham City type yeah. type situation going on with the Reaver, which I actually really liked. I mean, it's not, it's yeah. not, I shouldn't really compare it to Batman, Arkham City or a game like that, but um, there definitely was a little bit of, you know, you had to pay attention to combat. It wasn't just letting your character auto attack. Like every single oh, yeah. move had to be deliberate. Every single move had to be very calculated. And, um, you know, it all worked very well. I think that on the whole, it is, it is like different from Mass Effect because it's not a shooter. So it's not like, not completely Twitch based reflex, like aim and shoot and that Uh kind of thing. Like it's really, you know, for, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, if you've played Dragon Age Origins, you know that a lot of time is invested in that game into like 
making sure your characters are in the correct positions and they're like their big abilities are triggering at the right time and stuff uh-huh. like that, right? So now, like, imagine doing that, except now each of your party members is controlled by a human being and you can't just pause the game anymore yeah. to, like, set up your strategy yeah. or whatever. So I think the game is more of, like, a cerebral, it's like a tactical, um, you know, D&D game taking place in real time. So yeah. it's not like you're going to whiff on trying to hit somebody. You really need to figure out, like, what is the right attack for this character, like... I need to get to a flanking position, mm-hmm. you know, like my mage needs to keep a distance, command the battlefield and stuff like that. I think that's, that's, awesome. that's kind of how it worked. I noticed, um, for me, the, the assassin, the rogue character was a little bit more um, tactical just because I kind of got uh, her play mechanic and her play mechanic was, well, you stay out of combat, you stay in stealth and you find something that, you know, an enemy that's a little bit squishy and you go after that one as quickly as possible. So typical rogue style, you know, if you've ever played MM, an MMO at all or anything like that, you know exactly how you should play. You, you know, go clear out the archers. What yeah, that's what yeah. I would do. So I would sneak back and, you know, while you guys were focusing on the meteor guys, I would go and clear as many archers as I could. Yeah, so um, I guess for the, we should say for the format of, of the game, of that mode, it's like we played through... Uh, like there were five sort of like dungeons that were pieces of dungeons that we went through. So like we'd go into one arena and there'd be like a little like story and, or something to do, you know, some enemies to kill or like, I think that at one point we uh, had to escort somebody. Yeah. And uh, in the, in the game that we played, there were five, I guess, pieces to this uh, like little adventure that we went on. Uh, it's our understanding that those pieces are like kind of randomized. They're swapped yeah. in and out. Yeah, so they not... compare them to like Lego pieces. So like, right. you know, there's literally because of the way that they have it set up, you're never going to get the same match twice, mm-hmm. which is crazy. There's like resting spots in between to like recharge your health. Um, sometimes there are like some branches that you can go off into, like extra challenge arenas that earn you extra gold. And so pretty much like similar to you know Mass Effect, like you acquire gold. The party you know shares all the all the gold and everything, so it's not like meant to be competitive. So. The party um, gets all this gold and they find loot and stuff like that. And then you take that sort of back out into the menu system to to uh, uh, update your characters. And like something that's really cool that they said was that you can actually, if you acquire an item either from blind box, so they're doing blind boxes like they did in Mass Effect, you can buy mm-hmm. packs to like upgrade your characters with the gold that you get. If you get something in a pack that you don't like, you can actually like melt it down. Yeah and use it as a crafting item into a weapon that you actually want, mm-hmm. which I thought is was... melt it down into currency too. I yeah. Think, I think you can do that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it seems like they have a really robust system set up to really make this game replayable and fun. And I and know a, like and a web, a web interface so that you can build and manage your character like offline. Yeah. Which is you... dangerous. Yeah. That's really cool though. So like, as soon as you get home, like you can kind of slack off at work and build up your character and then, yeah. When you get back into work, you're you're ready to go. And, and the nerd in me is really excited. Um, they've actually added like each one of these playable characters for multiplayer is actually like a a living, breathing entity. So it's not mm-hmm. just like you have like warrior, you have rogue, you have mage, which they could have very easily done. Just called them that and left yeah, it at that. But yeah. what they did is they actually gave these characters um, backstories and names. So like we got these cards for playing. I'll just read it to you really quick. Um, so Tamar was the reaver that I played as and says, uh, Tamar is a fearsome warrior who developed her abilities by consuming dragon blood. One of the cultists who lived in Haven during the first blight, she escaped the Chantry by fleeing into the mountains. Tamar was later captured by the Inquisition agents and given the choice to serve or die. Execution and captivity would have been shameful. Tamar wishes to die in battle, the blood of her enemies on her sword and a war cry on her lips. 
And so, you know, the thing that's going to be cool is it starts, it's going to ship with 12 characters. And as they add more, which they said they're going to do, um, all these characters are going to be fully realized. They're going to have little, you know, little stories backstories and, like, and little, you know, and then you can, if you're, you know, you're nerdy like, like we are, too, you can right? be like, oh man, let's do one where it's all like, you know, all dwarves, yeah. you know, like we used to do with all Krogans and stuff with mm-hmm. the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. But anyway, it was an absolute blast and um, I have nothing honestly bad to say about it other than the fact that we lost. I think we did really well from what I'm, from what I'm hearing today. Yeah, teamwork is going to be like paramount in that game because... Uh, you know, we played like, as you probably picked up, like there's, um, you know, we played as a tanky, like shield person, uh, like a two handed fighter. And then we had a mage and then we had, uh, an assassin, a rogue and like really everyone needed to sort of like fall into their role in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we made it to the fifth wave, which would have been the final wave of the demo that we played. And like a huge boss came out and just like obliterated everybody. Yeah. But like that being said, we were the last two people standing. We were. And we just didn't have the firepower to like deal with that enemy. Like I think we had that boss down to like twenty five percent. Yeah, we did. We we, we could have gotten well. that boss. I mean, like we just had to like run around some more. But yeah. maybe tomorrow if we can sneak back in. Yeah, and that'd try be it. great. That'd be great. So um, what else? Let's talk about what else we did today. I'm sure we'll be talking about Dragon Age much more in the future. So I should say quickly that like in between our Dragon Age playthroughs, we I ran over to the Nintendo booth and played Super Smash Brothers. Yes. Um, you also kicked my ass in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, I mean, I I played as the the Wii U Fit trainer from the you know Wii Balance uh, Board game. Yeah, so they incorporated some kind of silly characters in the game. All that stuff is like has been announced at, in some capacity. Yeah, it still feels like a Smash Brothers game, and I think just on that reason alone, it's going to sell. I should also say that they had GameCube controllers. Yeah, on display. They know that that community like wants to play that game with the old school controllers. Like they're selling bundles with a GameCube controller adapter that you can plug into your Wii U system yeah. and plug in your old school GameCube controllers. So it's really cool. Um, there's a version for the 3DS. I didn't get to play it, but it's crazy. Like apparently the Amiibos are out on the floor too. Like those little action figures. I saw them. Yeah, man. It's just going to be bonkers and it's going to be crazy. Cause I was saying that like, if you own both systems, you're going to buy two copies of this game. Like, oh, for sure. Just, like, it's just yeah. how, there's no getting around it. People so, that love Smash Brothers really love Smash Brothers. Yeah, I think there's nothing to fear if you're a Smash fan. It's going to be a great game. Awesome. Um, the other thing I did uh, in between some other things we were doing is that I played uh, Harmonix uh, Disney Fantasia Music Evolved. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I went through. Um, they actually had four rooms set off sort of like off-site where you could go in and like play through four different experiences, and I tried each one of them. You know, the only thing that I think is similar to it right now is like Child of Eden. Okay. Which was like a connect game where you kind of got into a rhythm of doing things. You're not like you weren't dancing. You're not playing plastic instruments, but you're doing like big gestures in the rhythm of, of the music. And, and uh, you know, as you've seen, you can shape the music, the instrumentation of the music while you're playing the song. And I think it's a really interesting experience. And I know that there's some really great art in the game. I just didn't get to see a lot of it because it, I was mostly just playing the songs and not mm-hmm. like seeing like the like the narrative cutscenes in between. I wish I could have seen more of it, but the art is up and it, the game looks gorgeous and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So cool. Yeah. I honestly, at this point I'm so tired. I don't even remember what I did between appointments. I know I did stuff. I just can't recall at this point what it was. Yeah. Do you want me to keep going then? No. What was next? What was next <coughs> on the list? Well, I mean, I, we checked out a game called star crawlers. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That yeah. was actually super so fun. I was drawn to star crawlers. It's in the indie mega booth this year. This and, is about um, stalking celebrities in Hollywood. Yes, star crawlers, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, what it is is it is a 
uh, sort of in the style of an old school dungeon crawler, but set in a sci-fi theme, like on like a space base or space mm-hmm. station or something. And like, just like for that reason alone, I thought that was such a refreshing idea. You know, like, I don't know that I'd seen anything like that before. Yeah. I, I was talking, um, with the, the gentleman we interviewed whose name I cannot recall at this point, but I was talking to him and I was saying, you know, the last time I remember seeing a game like this where you're crawling through dungeons and, and from your first person perspective mm-hmm. uh, in space was probably like fantasy star. And that was like a game that was out when I was like a kid, like little kid. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. And it's like, just like the old school style, like the game basically like you push forward in the, the, screen moves like a square forward in the 3d space i got into one encounter and i got obliterated yeah it was it was a lot of fun they i guess they had a successful kickstarter that already went through so they had four characters and their stretch goals got it out to eight characters so there's eight characters in the game you can choose four to take into the into the missions and so i guess we should say it's like a it's unique because you're like exploring a dungeon but it's in space so you're in the space station and uh the you know, these eight different characters all have different abilities like you would see in a fantasy you know rpg mm-hmm. except for it's completely futuristic so you have psychers you have uh you know cyborgs on your team you have robots on your team all of them you know have machine guns and nukes and flamethrowers and all sorts of cool abilities that really haven't been present in a game yeah. of that style in a very long time yeah so. you know they basically this whatever firm you're working for, like you get sent out on these missions, you choose a mission you want to go out on sort of like in the style of syndicate, there are like factions that are opposing one another, you know? So if you do a job for one faction, the other one might not like you. Mm-hmm. And then as you're doing these missions, you'll get into situations where there's like dialogue and depending on who's in your party opens up different dialogue conversations. If you get in a situation and there's like, there was someone who could kind of manipulate your emotions of characters. I think it was your psyker. Girl. Yeah. The psychers. Like there would be a dialogue option just for the psyker to say, like, instead of trying to reason with somebody, you could just like strike terror into them yeah. and take them into custody. So yeah, it's like, cool. It gives like a yeah. little bit of uh, it changes up the normal, you know, dialogue wheel or dialogue tree. And, yeah. You know, gives you some, uh, a little bit more control over it, which is cool. Yeah, so that game uh, is coming along great, and I can't wait to see like where it goes next. I can't. Oh, really... they also they got uh, FTL composer Ben Pronti. Oh, on that there. was yeah, that was the other so thing. So it has a you yeah know, FTL style music. That yeah, guy's, that guy's great. So. Yeah, so keep your eyes out for Star Crawlers. That was like... fun, and you know I think they actually uh, there there were less games than Mega Booth this time, so it's actually getting harder to get into that. Yeah, so. yeah, I most that. of the games there actually look really good this time yeah. around. So I think they're being a little really bit more... polished. They they basically have fewer entries, but a lar- this year there's a larger uh, indie Mega Booth tabletop area than there has been in the past. Awesome, which is cool. awesome. Yeah. So then um, I had an appointment with Deep Silver, talking about um, a couple things with the Saints Row franchise. The first thing is uh, Saints Row is going to get released on current gen consoles meaning saints Xbox. row four. Oh, is that what i said what did i say well you said you said saints row oh yeah saints row four specifically yeah, but... saints row four is going to get re-released on xbox one and ps4 um obviously with a big update to graphics and and playability and all that fun stuff um that is good news and uh they're also releasing with it what's the johnny gat game oh, i think it's gat out of hell gat out of hell thank you yeah. so uh, it's a standalone Johnny Gat adventure in an all-new city, and Johnny Gat and Kinsey Kensington from uh, Saints Row 3 and 4 get pulled into hell on a mission, <laughs> and they have all-new abilities, and they have uh, weapon sets that are based on the, the Seven Deadly Sins, uh, one of which was Sloth, and it was a giant uh, giant lazy boy that you ride around that has machine guns on it. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and... Uh, 
you have special abilities, and I guess the biggest is that as Johnny Gat in Hell, you can fly around, so you actually have wings. So unlike Saints Row 4, where you just had like a super jump and a glide, Johnny Gat can actually fly around and, and land on structures and do all sorts of crazy kung fu magic stuff. I will say this. If, if they know what's good for them, there should be a scene somewhere in the game where you could challenge death to a game of Twister. Right? Yeah. That so, needs to exist. I think that's a piece of humor in that game that, if overlooked, would be a huge uh, huge missed opportunity, in my opinion. I wouldn't you, be surprised if it was there. Yeah, not to have some bogus journey right? homage in there somewhere. but So um, I did talk to uh, Steve from Volition for a while, and we'll have an interview of that coming up probably on the next episode. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I love this franchise, and this is what I told him when I talked to him. I said, you know, this there's something special about these Saints Row games. And the fact that the media ended up embracing them just shows how the quality of the game, uh, how great the quality of the game is. For instance, if you have a comedy game, and the rumor and the humor is crude and stupid and like not funny, then the media would have torn a game like Saints Row in half. Absolutely, like you know, all the big blog sites would have given it terrible scores. And but what ended up happening is. The humor was so sharp and it was so well written and so funny and so over the top and so goofy. It, people loved it. And even the, the really like highly scrutinous, generally brutal games media ended up embracing the Saints Row franchise. And, and for good reason. It's silly. It's fun. It makes you laugh. Like, you know, the dubstep gun is still one of the funniest fucking things I've seen in a game, I think, in my life. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's just genius. So um, I love those guys. I think they're doing great things. I like that they don't give a shit and they think outside the box. And um, so that was fun. And I can't wait for you guys to hear that. It was, I think, it turned out to be a pretty good little chat. Yep. And the last thing we saw today was Darkest Dungeon. Yes. Again. Darkest Dungeon again. So nice. <laughs> we played it twice. Yeah, so we uh, played Darkest Dungeon, which is in the Indie Mega Booth this year. We played that at East, and uh, it was one of my favorite games at East. And I've said it many, many times. There's just something really incredible about this game. It's a, it's a turn-based strategy game set in like this kind of Edgar Allan Poe, super dark Victorian Lovecraft, yeah, yeah, like H.P. Lovecraft style, dark world. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's something really cool about the character design. They're not very typical. And, you know, instead of like you know, a priest, you'll have like a plague doctor and instead of a warrior, warrior, you'll have like a giant female barbarian. So they kind of take all the typical fantasy archetypes and just like morph them into things you've never seen before. That way you don't have to like, they said that they do that so that you have no expectations about how that character is supposed to work. Yeah. And that's really, to me, very genius because even today I did the, the playthrough of like one of the newer dungeons that they let us play. And, um, it just felt very fresh. I'm like, oh, I don't know what this character does. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to read, like, these characters' attacks. It wasn't like I could just guess, like, oh, this person has, you know, a certain symbol on their jacket that means they do this and that's that. Yeah. You know, it, w- it wasn't like that at all. So it, I, I like that it's requiring me to kind of almost learn a new vocabulary and learn, um, you know, what these different characters are all about. You, you had a cool. character in your party. So they introduced in this new, in this new build, they had four new characters and you played all four of them in your party. Yeah. And the one I liked the most was there was like, sort of like the anti cleric, you know, yeah. like, what they was like what, the occultist. Yeah. He was like in his weapon was a skull with like a, a burning candle on top of it. Yeah. And he had like a, a, a special move where he could call down like, you know, tentacles from the abyss. And yeah, instead of healing, he could like, 
like you know cause a curse on someone that made them bleed. I thought he was just did. I thought he just did like shoddy like surgery. Oh, is that what it was? I mean, that's what the icon looked it like. Looked like so basically, didn't it? basically, like he would heal you, but then the character it would cause like a bleeding status effect. Yeah, you had to like heal your character, get them out of D and D. Like if you take enough damage, you go into like in in this game the mode is called at death's door. I think mm-hmm. right. And so, like, you can heal a character to get out of that, but then they start bleeding. So then you need to go into your inventory and use band-aids to stop yeah, the bleeding. It's, it's great. I mean, there's so much depth to the combat system, and um, it really seems as though... And we got to, you know, press for the first time, got to see um, what the town mechanic looked like. And it looked like there's a lot a lot to do outside of just the, the dungeon crawling and, and combat system. So you'll be able to, like, tweak your characters out, give them special abilities, customize them, you know, hire new characters, put them on quests. There's all sorts of stuff to do in town that I think will make Darkest Dungeon, you know, a really incredible game to play. The analogy the analogy they made was, like, it's sort of like your base in XCOM. Yeah. The thing about Darkest Dungeon is that nobody in, like, none of the characters in your game are, like, perfect human beings. They do a lot with like psychological status effects. So like you got a status effect where one of your characters became claustrophobic, mm-hmm. which comes with because she own... fell into an Iron Maiden. Yeah, she fell into an Iron Maiden, which is and, a terrible thing. And so like you go into town, and it's not just like oh my, go to the blacksmith and buy a new sword. It's like no, maybe one of your characters is depressed or something. Mm-hmm. So you can send them to the tavern. Morale gets better, but then at the same time they can. Do if you do that enough, they'll become like alcoholics yeah. or something, and then they'll have a dependency and like yeah. have a negative status effect. So there's a lot that goes into the psychology, you know, yeah. kind of behind the scenes in this game, which is really cool. What like, I kind of gathered was just about like every single thing in the game had like both positive and negative consequences, mm-hmm. and so it was up to you to decide what how you were going to manage these people. Yeah, because they're not just wep you know weapons they're actually like they treat them like human beings yeah it's like hey this person just went on a crazy quest and you know what they're just kind of tired yeah you know you, you might like, need to leave them in town and take like your your c-string characters yeah. out and on a couple missions and let the other you know the a-team heal up a little bit which right. i really liked i like you know i like that about XCOM the fact that you had to worry about individual characters and permadeath and, and mm-hmm. all that so um you know i love darkest dungeon we'll probably talk about it a bunch more before it comes out uh, they did say that it's probably not going to come out until the middle of next year. Oh, but if it's you are kind so of, good, yeah, it's so good. But if you are waiting, you know, for a good turn-based uh, dungeon crawler that's very different from probably anything you've ever seen or played, definitely keep your eye pe- eyes peeled for Darkest Dungeon, and you know, and uh, enjoy. Yeah, that. they said they have. Um, I think right now they said they're working on some packages like with uh, art book and. Yeah, a bunch of other stuff, and I think didn't they mention something about early access to eventually? Yes, they said it's coming to Steam very not soonish. But yeah, sooner but if it than like later. if you, I mean, go look this game up, and if you see like the artwork, some of the gameplay yeah. footage, and you think this is interesting, you can definitely get on board with this early and like contribute some feedback to like the development of this. It's game. one of like w- one of the things that when we do these interviews and stuff, other developers usually ask me like, "Hey, what have what have you seen that you've really liked this year?" I'm always like, "Fucking Darkest Dungeon." Yeah. Go go check it out if you haven't gone down to the mega booth yet. Like this game is just super unique, and it appeals to like every you know every facet of, of my being. So it's really really good. Yeah, it'll be good. All right, is that it? I think that's the end of of this of day. day one. We this is going to be a long one. We had some delicious uh, faux Mexican food tonight. Yeah, that was really good. And with our our buddy from Twitter, Kate. Yeah, Kate, super cool. Yeah, got to hang out with her. That's great. And yep. um. 
I guess that's it. I don't want to. I don't really want to preview what we're doing tomorrow, just because the in schedule case it falls apart. Yeah, because things always get messed up. But, but we got a lot of shit to do tomorrow. Yeah, but so. if our if our plans do come through, we're gonna we're gonna see some cool stuff tomorrow. So yes, indeed. I mean, for you guys, it'll just be like a thirty second musical bumper, but for us, it's gonna be like another twelve hours until we get to see it. But yeah, we'll see if we're actually well and able to speak. Yeah, but once you find out in the next thirty seconds, like it's gonna be cool. All right, all right. So day two. This is day two. Day two is over. It's full, actually full disclosure. Yeah, not day two. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, went out for a little bit last night, not super late because we're aged. Uh, but then we came back and passed out. So we're actually recording this uh, Saturday wrap up on Sunday. Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. So it's close enough. It's relevant still. Yeah. Saturday was awesome, man. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. I had a really good time. Um, what did we start off doing? We kind of split up. What did you do first? I don't even know. I, I actually, uh, I was wandering around and I went and I played Toad Treasure Tracker for the Wii U. What is that? It's um, it's uh, it's a game that features Toad, first of all, which okay. I think is awesome because I've always loved Toad. Yeah. He's a cool character. He's an interesting little guy. He doesn't say anything. He's just like, ah! Yeah. Oh no! Isn't there like a whole race of toads? Yeah, there is. And he's like, like the patriarch of the toadlings. <laughs> he's, like, he's like the the toad. He's like the Arashok of, yeah. the, of the toad clan. <laughs> wow. So yeah, t- Toad Treasure Tracker is it's kind of like a. It looks like a puzzle game, but I don't think they're all puzzles. So okay. Basically, you get this kind of three D square map that you can kind of like rotate. Sometimes the idea is that in each level you got to find three gems and then proceed to the next level, but. I played, I saw three levels and I played two of them and they're all very different, which I thought was very cool. So like played on one level where the, the map was like a minecart ride. Oh, cool. And so he would hop into the minecart and I then I would use the Wii U gamepad to look around and like throw turnips at things in the environment to like get gems and score points. And then I played a different level, which was based on like the boo house, you know, so it was like a ghost house. So um, all of the doors like slid it was like a sliding puzzle uh-huh. where like all of the doors on the map like slid around and then I had to like figure out the right configuration to navigate through the level and avoid the booze and stuff. So yeah. it's one of those games that Nintendo needs where it like shows off what the Wii U is actually capable of doing. So that that could be fun. I just I I wonder how long a game like this could be because I finished two levels in like 10 minutes. So, yeah, but I, yeah. I am I am adept at puzzle puzzle solving. Yeah, you games. are pretty good at this. Yeah. What did what did you do uh yesterday uh, morning? So m- morning I just kind of wandered around. I went by the the Bioware base and mm-hmm. sat in on some stuff about the Dragon Age keep. Mm-hmm. Um there's a <clears throat> wow, my voice hasn't Good morning everyone. Hello. I have it's, sexy morning voice. Yeah, it's the quiet storm. It is. Um so I I sat in some stuff for the keep and got to see some of the um the new features of the keep, which we'll talk about later because we went to a, a keep event in the evening, but, uh-huh. uh, they added some new graphics to it. It's, um, for those of you who don't know what the dragon age keep is, it allows you to kind of create a game state world to bring into dragon age inquisition. So it has over uh, 300 different choices and, and variables you can kind of customize and toggle out to create 
um, you know, whatever kind of world you want to bring into Inquisition. So it allows you to bring in, you know, features of your warden and features of your hawk and also all the decisions you made along the way in both games. So it's quite a fucking massive undertaking. It's a super awesome tool. It's website, ridiculous. Like experience. Yeah. So many different things. They uh, they literally created <clears throat> custom art for the majority of the decisions, and the art is just phenomenal. And it seems to me like something that they could have like really bare bones it and been yeah. like, yeah, here's here's, here's a like, text file. <laughs> yeah, here's the ten main decisions you made in these games. Yeah. Like, figure out which ones you want to do. Sort of like what, no offense, but what they kind of did with that Mass Effect interactive comic that had like you know eight or nine decisions. Yeah, that's a totally different product though. Like, yeah. This is something way different yeah, from that. Yeah, this is a yeah. monstrosity. And it's so. like a standalone website, too. It's not like a, yeah. a DLC or something. So, um, the stuff, stuff we can't even talk about. Yes. Know, we, all kinds we, of stuff. We did find out some, some secrets. Secrets. Uh, but, you know, it was really impressive. And I just kind of sat there, like, uh, slack-jawed for a while and, and really kind of soaked in, like, the how massive an, of an undertaking it must have been to build something like mm-hmm. that. So, um, really cool stuff. Then after that, I had an appointment um, for a game called gigantic and for our listeners um you probably know that i'm not a moba guy Mm -hmm. not that i it's more of like a fear of commitment yeah (laughs) like i don't want to i don't want to get really into mobas because i know how my personality works and i know i'll get like really involved can can anyone casually play a moba that's that's, what i think the problem is right so it's like you know if a secret day job didn't you know if i didn't wasn't there 70 hours a week i'd probably be able to play a little bit more moba stuff but um You know, the the thing about Gigantic that I liked, when they sent me uh, some screens and stuff, I'm like, wow, the art style is really pretty. Like, it's um, it's it's more third-person than top-down. So it's, um, you know, kind of behind your character. So it, it looks like you're playing, you know, more of a shooter than, than your typical uh, MOBA. I think uh, Smite also did that from the third-person perspective. Mm-hmm. So rather than being, like, straight top-down, like League... Um, and the thing that really separated Gigantic from the other MOBAs is the fact that you uh, are c- trying to take waypoints and control points on the map, and you are also um, the main goal is to d- attack and kill the other team's giant. And so the giant is actually a- an AI creature that moves around the stage, and um, you-, you can like power up your giant by controlling nodes and things like that. Hmm. And then your giant will actually go and attack the other giant, and when you're the other giant falls down it has weak points like similar to any like action game they like glow, glow and stuff like that cool. and you have to shoot the enemy giant's weak points as it's fallen in order to win is um, it a butt are you shooting in its it was like actually a chest hole so, okay. so like a chest butt because you kept like last night i remember last night you told me like you knock the monster over and then you shoot its weak points so i was like so are you shooting it like in the butthole or something yeah that's super weird yeah no yeah. it wasn't a butthole it was a okay. chest hole okay good um, okay. could have been a butthole yeah i don't know how these monsters function i'm glad but... it wasn't yeah <laughs> poor monster what yeah. a horrible fate <laughs> pushed over shot in the butthole <laughs> yeah game <laughs> over god um but anyway, I really I, I ended up really enjoying Monstrous because uh, the, the characters were all very very different. I played this character that was a uh, like a giant mech, and um, you know how these mobas work is you level up as you progress in that particular stage. So like as you get kills and, and basically capture nodes and stuff, you get experience points that you spend, and then they reset, and then you do it again in the next match. Hmm. So I could upgrade like his uh, firing speed i could make his uh, bullets snare people uh he had a grenade toggle that he could like lob like a mortar he could lock into the ground and like lock his feet down oh, like cool. a siege, siege tank mm-hmm. mode and we did that all his fire rates increased so i could basically become a turret at different points 
And so the the gentlemen that were um, directing me and how to play, they were like, you need to get a really high vantage point and just rain down fire on everyone. Sweet. That sounds awesome. And it was actually really fun. And as I was playing, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm playing like a MOBA. I feel like I'm playing like Team Fortress. Like the, the shooting controls were as tight and as precise as an actual shooter. Ah. So I'm like, wow, like if the shooting is this tight in this game, I, I'm imagining that the melee system is, is actually pretty well done, too. I can tell you that our, our resident MOBA expert, Nate, from <laughs> P2R and Reset yeah. Transmission, uh, he, he kind of said the same thing that you said, that, it, that okay. to him that the game did feel more like Team Fortress than like the MOBAs that he's used to like yeah. getting involved with. So. Which for me isn't a bad thing because yeah. I'm a big fan of those, you know class-based shooters and things like Mm -hmm. that so i was like okay well if this is like class-based but it has melee characters and healing characters and robots and flying guys and guys with grappling hooks and shit then i'm in like yeah it it looks great so it's like an esport thing but you only have to pay for the skins like that might still be accessible to people like on a casual level which could be refreshing like in this Uh in this climate and also um you know i was kind of i was talking to the guys and this is the first time it's been at pax but it's like really done like it's like really super polished oh like, and like no one's heard of the game before it's yeah like, it's yeah. like out of nowhere here's mm-hmm. this game that's like you know almost complete and very shiny and pretty looking so if you're interested in like a really slick looking class-based you know action game check out gigantic um i don't think many people have heard of it yet so we'll probably shoot up an article about it but you soon. will yes you will hear about it um, the uh, the next thing I did, I think around the lunchtime hour, is I went and actually played Dance Central Spotlight. What? Yeah, yeah. So our listeners know that I'm a fan of connect and rhythm games and such. So I went over to Dance Central Spotlight, and I played the game, and I chatted with uh, some of the cool folks at Harmonics for a few minutes. Like, this is, you know, now, I guess, the fourth game in the series. This game is probably the most different from the previous games. So the thing that I noticed immediately is that in previous Dance Central games and Rock Band 2, you'll see that the songs are kind of like tiered by difficulty. You know, so it'll be like, oh, this song is like two stars and this one's like eight stars or yeah. something, you know. And none of the, um, the the UI system menu flow is like completely different. So like it basically just gave you almost like uh, a wide like 10-foot UI of all of your tracks with like cover art and everything. Oh, okay. And uh, I asked the guy, I was like, uh, you know, there's not – it's not tiered by difficulty anymore and he's like well he explained to me and this is really cool that each song has eight different um routines attached to the song oh, okay and he said in in doing that it kind of like eliminates the need to have tiers for each song okay which is cool because it at that point it makes every song accessible so like if there's a song that you like but it was super difficult way too hard which yeah. is every song for me for you yeah yeah so like in dance central three like if there was a song you like but it was at the bottom of the list like even on an easier difficulty it'd be pretty challenging it's not overwhelming because the eight i say eight routines not eight difficulty levels because it's actually like eight different like concepts of ways to approach the game there will be like maybe three or four like quote-unquote difficulty levels where yeah. it's like beginner pro and so on but then there's like every song has like a routine for fitness, so it's like more like cardio, like oh, okay. like more movement. And then I saw one that was like style. So uh-huh. I'm assuming that if you're more into like dancing, like traditional dancing, then there's yeah. probably routine for that in addition to like just the traditional routines. So I thought that was really cool. Um, awesome. I think I think the way that game works is going to be like ten bucks. It's going to launch on Tuesday as like a downloadable title. And it's going to be ten bucks, and then uh, comes. So it'll out. actually be out when this is out for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So uh, 
it'll launch with 10 tracks. I think they said that there were going to be 25 DLC tracks available at launch with uh, 25 of their previous DLC. And the way that it works is that if you had purchased any of those songs prior, like in Dance Central 3, then you would still own like those songs for the new game, which is really cool. Awesome. So Dance Central Spotlight. That's a good, good move for them. <clears throat> I, asked him, I also asked him if... Um, if the connect uh the new connect offered like better ways to do tracking you know yeah you know, and he said absolutely he said he helped it helped out with the fitness mode he was saying that like the stuff that the connect tracks like in terms of what you're doing in fitness mode is like insane yeah the connect can tell if you're blinking <laughs> you know like just like crazy stuff you know what i mean it's unbelievable and it's not to say that like every every piece of software on the system uses that but like apparently that data is there if somebody wanted to use it so and there you know harmonics like probably more so than any other developer is really good at like harnessing the power of the connect so mm-hmm. be really interested to like jump into that more and like see exactly what that's all about but there's really kind of like a focus on the fitness part part this time around mm-hmm. and i think their community uh that's something that the community really wanted so that's that's really awesome awesome mm-hmm. then what do we do oh uh, this is when we went to ubisoft Oh yeah, this that's was right. really this was really cool. So we yeah. um we were invited out to check out Assassin's Creed Unity and Assassin's Creed Rogue, mm-hmm. um, and Ubisoft had a little play area set up for us, which was awesome and nice of them. And um, Scott, let's talk about your experience playing Unity because you got to drive, <clears throat> and I just kind of got got to spectate and say shitty jokes the whole time. <laughs> and I think I think we did well over there. So we got to sit down with with one of the producers on the title. Mm-hmm. Um, she walked me through a co-op mission um, in Assassin's Creed Unity. I think it was a heist is what we were doing. And um, it was, man, it is a ton of fun. Yeah. And I, like I said at the end, I was like, and we only, that was only two people. Like you yeah. can have four people running these missions together. But um, uh, so Assassin's Creed Unity is going to have sort of seamless integration into like between single player and co-op missions. There are like over what they say, like 200 pieces of gear. Yeah, I think they said like uh, 85 weapons. Yeah, 85 weapons. 200 pieces of gear. Like, and they're time- all statted this time. So, like, yeah. different gear. It, one of the things that I was really excited about is there is like, uh, they kind of added like RPG skill accolation to the game really mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah. So, be able to like really customize your character to be like more of a melee character, more of a stealth character. In multiplayer, you can get different, like, abilities now that you can share. So, like, one person can be, like, the master of disguise. The other can be, like, the master of stealth and, and lockpicking. <laughs> you can be the master of unlocking. You could be the master of unlocking, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so, that's really neat. Uh, you know, and how the multiplayer works is your Arno will go into your friend's game and all of your stuff and your the skills and, you know, gear that you have unlocked travels with you. Uh, and then back to your own game. So everything that you pick up and all the skill points you get and, you know, money and all that stuff you get in multiplayer, you just bring back to your yeah. own game. One so character through the whole thing. Yeah. It's, um, she also mentioned that there was uh, a tavern that you could go to. So, like, you, if you wanted to see which of your friends are online, you could, like, go into this tavern and your friends would kind of be, like, ghosts, like, hanging out in the tavern. Yeah. And you can use that to, like, set up your matches. But to get into our co-op match, it was just as easy as walking up to one of the... Uh, quest givers and just saying like start public match and then all of a sudden i was in the game with like yeah you know the the person that um was can we talk for a second about how you you fucked it up in the beginning yeah it was pretty funny like so she's like um i i would i would guess that some people that go in there are like are not assassin's creed players but like both of us are like very very well experienced players so 
um, we get into the game and she's like trying to explain things to me. So she's like, all right, we're going to go like attack this guy. So like, go ahead and jump up onto the rooftop and then we're going to like, you know, kill this guy together. We're going to like synchronize our kill. And I was like, cool. And she's like, okay, so like, you're going to want to tap the X button. And I just like hit X right away and like left off the roof, and, like, <laughs> assassinated the guy. And she's like, oh, I was going to count to three. And I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So coordination so, is really going to be key in, in this. Yeah. And, like you guys for the rest of it did pretty well. It but was, then, then what happened? Yeah. It was funny. Cause like as soon as I assassinated, she's like, oh, I was going to count to three. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like screw this up. And she's like, it's cool. And then like all of a sudden, uh, like we were spotted yeah. by the guards and then like a, a whole like fight broke out. And I don't think that was intended to be yeah. like, there were like 20, you guys killed 20 guys. Yeah, like, all these guys ran in, and I was like, do you want me to cut the alarm bell? And she's like, yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> so, like, I snipped the alarm bell, and then, like, ten guys rushed in, and we just yeah. had to, like, kind of fight them off. And it was it was fun because, like, uh, she was um, KO'd in the fight, so I got to revive her. And, like, like after that brief, like, moment of um, chaos, we were able to, like, continue on. The, the other thing in this game that is super cool is that they added a stealth mechanic to the game, which is, like, you know, you could play stealthy in the previous games but now there's like a stance to be stealthy so mm-hmm. like so you can tell like you know when you're dropping in and out of stealth and i feel like it's a, an ability you can boost now through stats i, I believe think so. yeah it's kind of like almost as if they took a page out of like the sam fisher playbook you mm-hmm. know like so pretty much the way that it works is that like if you can for assassin's creed players imagine like using the right trigger to go into your like your high profile moves like running and parkour and like fighting and stuff like that you can now like tap the left trigger and then your character goes into like a stealth mode where they kind of crouch down and their movement is slower. Um, better awareness too. Yeah, better awareness. Like you can, she showed me how it works. Like you can toggle the stealth move and then like when you're in stealth, you're more aware. So more, more things show up on your mini map, like more enemies. Yeah. Which I thought was really awesome. You kind know, reward, rewards you for playing stealthily, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember we talked about in previous games how like you kind of just became almost like a crazed, like, Oh yeah, you know, like you, it was, you, you weren't necessarily penalized for being so aggressive, and you could no, really... you could walk into like downtown New York and Assassin's Creed Three and kill like fifty guards and just yeah. like you know chain them all together and just like walk away. And yeah, you're like, wow, like I am literally a mass murderer. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't. Yeah, it definitely does not work that way anymore. Yeah. And so they they reward you for being stealthy, and now there's a stealth mechanic to support that. And like, um, the other thing I can remember is that they added a, um, a cool like mechanic to the parkour system to like not only climb but to also go down in the environment so like uh you know people that have played a lot of the game know that if you're trying to drop down from something you have to kind of like tap the b button and then they kind of grab the wall and then you have to tap b again to like drop from yeah. the wall now you can kind of do um instead of running while holding a you can run while holding b and the, you'll start to go down instead of like go up 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 so it's really cool. Like there's all kinds of great animations that support it. And they also kind of like gave the example of like a Jason Bourne move where you could be like running on the rooftop. And if you do the B button move and there's an open window, you can kind of like jump down into the open window and like run through the buildings and mm. stuff like that. So it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. I'm really impressed. Very cool. Um, so I got to play rogue, yeah. which is coming out for old gen consoles mm-hmm. mysteriously. And uh, you, you are the master of ships. So you handled the, yeah, I loved the ship combat a lot. I wrote a piece about it a long time ago um, for the site, and I was just like, wow, they really fucking mastered this mechanic. It is really fun. It reminded me of, like, Sid Meier's Pirates. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. just, like, it's a, a wonderful, fun, you know, really innovative way to do um, sailing ship combat. And uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue 
does use a lot of the same mechanics. Like he basically handed me the controller and was about to walk me through it. And I was just like, "Wee!" <laughs> You're like, I got this. Yeah. yeah. I just like, I like took off on the ship and just started killing things immediately. Cause it is identical to, um, Assassin's Creed black flag. Except your ship is smaller now. Yeah. So awesome. you have like a, a smaller ship. It, um, the cool thing that a couple cool things, it has a, a, an icebreaker on the front of it. So you're, you're kind of up in the, um, Northern part of North America during the seven years war. And a lot of the areas up there were covered with ice, and so a lot of the ships were equipped with, like, you know, stuff on the bow so they could crack through the ice. And the, and the graphics for that were actually really pretty. So you're, like, cruising through these, you know, icy waters, and, and ice is, like, you know, cracking and popping, and mist is going everywhere. So that was really neat. Um, the cannons functioned pretty much the same, but there was a new deck gun that was, um, I guess it's something I never heard of. It's, like, a prototype machine gun. Yeah. Um Okay, I, yeah. <laughs> I he mean, told I, he he confirmed he was like it's it was definitely something that existed. But yeah, no, I, be, I totally believe there was a weird there was weird stuff out there. Um, they basically replaced the swivel cannons on the on the ship with this like prototype machine gun swivel cannon. Yeah, so you could like basically just hose enemies with like you know bullets galore as you strafed them, which was really fun. And then just like the like I kept pointing out the animation to you, but the the guy that's on the swivel cannon like. When he's like trying to activate machine gun mode with the swivel cannon, yeah. he just goes like buck wild. Yeah, he goes crazy. It's he's such a, a cool he's animation. He's shaking and like screaming. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, um, it's really awesome. And the other mechanic that it had that was different. First of all, the ship's a lot faster, <clears throat> so you can kind of maneuver around the enemy vessels and um, turns tighter. Yeah, yeah. And rather than launching the barrels out of the back like the jackdaw did, this one allows you to kind of leave a like an oil slick trail that you light on fire, so you can kind of. Um, manipulate the battlefield in that way and actually kind of like you know race circles around your enemies and light them on fire and it slows them down and does damage over time um so you know uh, the ship combat was really really fun um still curious as to why i mean i guess i'm not curious i get it like i i'm i want to utilize the current gen hardware Mm -hmm. and it seems odd to me that they're releasing this for the 360 and the ps3 only considering that Black Flag came out on the Xbox One and the PS4 the same day that it came out on the, the PS3 and the Xbox yeah. 360. That is that is strange. But I, I think it's because it's releasing right around the same time as Unity. Might actually be on the same day. Yeah, it I might think, be. Yeah. And they, I think they're trying to say, like, since Unity is current gen only, mm-hmm. they want fans of the, of the franchise to be able to still pick something up and then... Not feel left out. Yeah, yeah. hopefully at a later date we'll get it on the. That's a smart move on the Xbox One. But Um, you did some combat, or we saw it. We got to like look at a demo. Yeah, we did. And um, you play it as a Templar, right? Yeah, and it's funny. It's like reversed because like you know assassins are trying to assassinate you, and Mm -hmm. um, they're like tackling you, and then you're running through these. I guess assassin supporter camps and just laying waste. Like all his weapons were like grenade launcher, like you know. area of effect berserk bomb like just nuts like over the top incredibly offensive weapons stealth didn't seem like a that big of a deal i don't think there was any stealth really like if you want to just fight like a big jerk in the game like that's how Rogue yeah works. i mean kinda... i'm sure there is some sort of stealth yeah. mechanic but it, it seemed in the demo that it was more like hey fuck you guys i'm coming in here like the t-1000 and i'm just gonna lay like, waste here's so. all the weapons yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like, you're right, because I, I do think there is a bit of stealth, because, like, it wasn't, um, the, the use of the weapons that we saw in the demo was, like, not necessarily, like, direct damage, you know? Yeah. You weren't, like, mowing down guys with machine guns, but it was more like, oh, I'm gonna shoot this barrel, and all these guys blow up, and like you said, like, there's a, um, 
you know, they have smoke grenades like in the traditional game, but now they're like smoke uh, berserk grenades, yeah. like you said. Yeah. And the guy has a grenade launcher to fire them at like a greater distance, which yeah. is insane. Yeah, yeah. It's like looks like so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was great. Um, I actually had a lot of fun and we have an interview um, with some folks from Ubisoft as well. So you guys will hear that a little bit later. They are great. And then what do we do? Oh man, we, we had a luck- we had a lucky day yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was a good day. Yesterday was like we're we feel grown up. Um, so we played Evolve a lot. And normally with these demos, you go in and they're like, hey, you know, play one round and then skedaddle. Yeah, but this skedaddle. time, I think we played like four between us? three or four rounds. They took us into a room and they're just like, we played the first round. We started to get up and they're like, we got time for another. We're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like everybody and sat then back another down. and then another. We're yeah. like, all right. So um, let's talk briefly about your experience. Did you play as – you didn't play as the Kraken, did you? No, because I'd never played as the monsters. Okay, so, so we I'd... played against the Kraken together on the mm-hmm. same team, and you were um, you were the support character, right? Well, they – okay, so so for this demo at PAX, they added four new characters. Right. So they're like variants of the four existing characters, like same classes, but variant mm-hmm. with like slightly different abilities. So yeah. like – who was the guy that we played as? Was his name Bucket, Bucket or something? Yeah. Okay, so Bucket was the support character, the new variant support character to Hank, I think, was mm-hmm. the old one. Um, so Bucket had like this ability where he could take his – he's a robot, so he could take his head off and throw it and use it as like a UAV to help spot the monster. Uh-huh. And then I think he had like – was he the one that had like the orbital nuke strike as well or was that Um, Hank? He had – that's Hank. Uh, okay. He had the turrets he could lay down, oh, machine yeah. gun turrets and – uh a couple other well he had like a rocket launcher and i don't know he's like a homing launcher yeah, yeah homing rocket launcher and he, he could cloak yeah that's right yeah in the cloaking so, field so yeah i think we both tried bucket out I, again teamwork is so critical to like your success in this yeah. game because it's really just trying to get everybody like to f- like fall into their role and use their special abilities like to work together the trapper has the dome and they can like slow down the enemy and then like the the support character can like go find the enemy and like it's cloaking ability makes it easier for you to revive people. So it's just like so much crap going on in this game. It's Mm -hmm. like madness, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of technique to playing each character. I played as, um, I played as a bucket one round and it was fun because I could kind of lay ambushes by setting up a bunch of machine gun turrets. Yeah. So, you were drawing, you were like telling your uh, teammates, like bring the monster over here. I've got a bunch of turrets. Like, yeah. Hiding so in like the, the monster, yeah. you know, would come up and all of a sudden he'd just be lit up by, you know, like five or six guns, which was great. And, um, then I played as Val, who is a voice by friend of the podcast, Courtney Taylor. Nice. Um, so that's the medic. Val's, Val's the medic. And, uh, she was awesome too. She could shoot. She had two different kind of long range rifles. One was they uh, fired like a tracking dart. So if you nailed the monster with a dart, he would appear on everyone's mini maps, and you'd be actually he'd be highlighted as a certain color. Oh, cool! And so it was he was a lot easier to hit with one of the darts. And the other thing she had was a a long range, just um, high damage sniper rifle, but it created weak points and critical spots. Right, right, right. So whenever she shot the monster in different areas if other people hit him in those areas it would do uh, increased damage which was really cool and then she had her medical gun and and also everyone can fly which is such a cool like mm-hmm. you know you have like limited use jetpacks so you, you're very mobile um you can get around the battlefield pretty easily there's just a really neat dynamic to the the hunt and be hunted sort of aspect like you yeah. start off the round and you're like trying to find him before he before he evolves mm-hmm. right because as he evolves he gets you know tougher and tougher yeah. and tougher and, um, you know, so you're frantically in the beginning, like scrambling around this map, looking for 
you know, looking for this damn thing before it gets bigger. And then when you find it, it's just like, it's chaos. They added um, something that I didn't see before was that they, they added like a dog companion, like dog's name is like Daisy or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's exactly a dog, but. Like, <laughs> like a monster dog. Yeah. It like looks function- like the Vorchard dog thing. Yeah. Like yeah. the, was that like a Varen? Yeah. The Varen. Yes. Thank you. So like the, that character functions as almost like an AI, like an additional hunter on the team. So mm-hmm. like, I didn't know this when I played as the monster, but apparently this like dog creature can revive your characters. And then, like, help sniff out the monster for you, which is like, oh, because I played as a monster one round, and I almost had your party, like, KO'd, and I... Daisy the dog? I ignored the dog, because I didn't think the dog was doing anything. Yeah. And then, then the guy with me was like, oh, that dog can revive everybody. And I was yeah, like, I was playing as the the hunter that was controlling the dog. Oh, and, um, I didn't know someone controlled the dog. Well, no, well, not really. I mean, the dog is, is kind of autonomous. She mm-hmm. had AI, and she was like, she would sniff out the tracks on her own. Yeah. And so in the beginning, when we were like, we were looking for you, we were just following Daisy. Like, oh, you could cool. see your tracks, and the dog was just like sniffing the ground and like running. Mm-hmm. And um, she can climb up terrain and everything like that, and is pretty mobile. So it was really, it was cool. Like, I, I really feel like they did a great job with, uh, with the characters. Um, we do have like confirmed, not confirmed, but. Um, when we were watching the intro uh, intro scene, there are lockers with all the character names, mm-hmm. and there were lockers with blurred out character yeah, names. Yeah, two lockers that had blurred out character names, yes. so we think that there could be more coming. Yes, and also um, dialogue that's missing, because one of the things I really liked about Evolve is there's like a drop drop ship sequence in the beginning where the characters are bantering back and forth, and it kind of like harkens back to Aliens, where they're about to drop into the colony in the beginning. And um, they're all like talking shit to each other, you know, and, and yeah. all of a sudden the doors drop out and they, you, you know, you, you launch out of this drop ship and go, go to war. So really fun. I really enjoyed Evolve yet again. So mm-hmm. it was good to actually play the Hunters this time. So next we got to play Borderlands, the pre-sequel, which is um, like, you know, we've, we've played a lot of Borderlands. And oh, yeah. Like, so I kind of felt like I had an expectation, but. I feel like what I played exceeded my expectations a little bit. Yeah, it was fun, man. It's it's like that's one of those games mm-hmm. that is just they they found the magical formula with Borderlands, and even though it's a different Borderlands, it's like it feels like Borderlands, just yeah. like with the you know new fun stuff. So like this one takes place like on the Hyperion Moon, which immediately is crazy because like you can jump like a mile up in the air. So yeah. like you're kind of like fighting with moon physics. I played as Claptrap. Who did you play as? Uh, I, she's the sheriff that you kill. Spoiler alert in Borderlands oh. 2. So I played as the sheriff, uh, Handsome Jack's girlfriend. I forget her name. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So my character's Claptrap's ability was like completely insane. Like basically Claptrap runs a program called vaulthunter.exe, <laughs> which uh, essentially gives you a random status effect, which can be good or bad. The idea is that the the program scans the environment for the threats and then like gives you some kind of bonus. So like sometimes the bonus is like gun zerking. Um, sometimes it's like higher um, rate of fire with damage, like boost. And then one of them is just, you die. <laughs> so like I ran the program once and all of a sudden I had a giant bomb in my hand yeah. and then I blew up and killed a couple of creatures and then I was dead <laughs> and I had to like go into fight for my life mode. So claptrap is completely insane. Claptrap has, also a high five mechanic so like if you you can put your hand up and if one of your buddies uh slaps your hand there's you get like a little buff to both of you that's like, awesome for a short time so how, yeah, i how... noticed um when i was playing with claptrap a lot of his abilities also impacted me oh cool like, there's a point where you turn into a wizard and um you were like the claptrap wizard from the uh <laughs> tiny teen dlc uh-huh. 
and you did a buff where like um, my guns were super powered, and another one where I turned into Gunzerker, like yeah. I had the same abilities as the Gunzerker. That's awesome. Um, so you were able to do that to me. Um, the sheriff was cool. Probably the coolest mechanic with her was the fact that she had an ability. We got to pick our skill points too, by the way, which was really cool. They oh let, yeah, yeah, that's us, right. They let us trick our characters out. But um, one of the abilities that she had was the ability to replicate any pistol that she had. That's insane. So if you have a really awesome pistol, another version of it appears in your offhand. And um, and you can basically, if you fire down the iron sights, you have you know a single pistol. But if you hip fire, you have two pistols. So you can just lay waste with pistols. So that's what I did the whole time I played with the pistols. And her, uh, Sounds great. her special was sort of a Red Dead revolver style uh lock on so you could kind of go into pistolier mode and then just like lock on a bunch of enemies and just sort of lay waste um she was really fun like i don't really you know it's hard borderlands there's a lot of finesse to like understanding your borderlands character Mm -hmm. like there's a lot a lot to do and like a lot to you know understand so they basically just gave us like super powered characters with awesome weapons and yeah. was just like, go run this mission. Have yeah. a good time. And it yeah. felt very easy. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like the later stages of Borderlands that get really challenging. So um, it was a lot of fun, man. I, and again, I'm going to be a snob here. I wish it was coming out on next gen, yeah. but I, our yeah. current gen. But current I, gen, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Why. Okay. So final, final items. We have a, like any quick hits. I played a couple of games like walking around the floor before our last thing i should give a, a quick shout out to um adult swim mm-hmm. and i played a game called um adventure time game wizard which is one of the most innovative things i've seen here at the show in a while and it's a it's a mobile game for uh, for tablets and what it lets you do is uh in the adventure time universe you can actually using graph paper draw different maps so you can draw all the platforms and all the obstacles and enemy locations and ladders and challenges and things like that and then the camera on your tablet takes a picture of the graph paper and then through the magic of magic it actually transforms the hand drawn map to an actual map in the game and then you can play as Jake and Finn and Ice King and a couple other characters from Adventure Time and actually go through the map that you created which is fucking crazy like the fact that that works is crazy so um i actually went by adult swim and, and asked them I'm like what is like the the one game here that you know is gonna make me go mm-hmm. wow and that was definitely it just because i had never seen anything like that before that's you know? incredible i think that's such a cool tool for kids oh like, yeah something to play and like get and kids they'll excited. have a thing up on their website when the game launches where kids can um print the graph paper straight from from the site That's because so, cool. you know, so you don't have to go to you know the grocery store and get a an ancient thing of graph paper so nice so that was really fun um then any other closing ones that, yeah any, that i just I have know? a couple of quick hits sure. i um i played um the sonic game for the wii u which is i think called sonic boom if i'm not mistaken oh uh, yeah but um it uses four characters i don't play a lot of sonic but like if you're a sonic fan this game seemed awesome like it's on the wii u it has four characters like sonic and uh tails and two other characters that i i don't know the names of um but they all have different abilities um it's like a platformer it's like it looked like they tried to blend like some traditional sonic ideas with some brand new ones like okay. some, like platforming elements which the game looks beautiful so um you know if you are a sonic fan like keep your eye out for that um i went to i just want to talk quickly about the double fine booth oh yeah 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 Yeah. so the double fine booth is almost like hidden on the show floor because mm-hmm. it's not like near... i haven't seen it yet yeah, so exactly. you're absolutely right it's like not near the mega booth and it's like kind of like tucked in behind some of the um sony like playstation booths first of all they have costume quest 2 on display 
the original costume quest was amazing. I would say that the game is kind of geared towards like a younger audience, but like can be enjoyed by older audiences. And such a great concept. Yeah, basically, yeah. it's like an RPG, like with these kids, like on Halloween, and they get thrown into this situation where they need to like save the universe, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they go into the encounters, you know, like old school RPG style, like turn based, um, they basically turn into gigantic representations of their Halloween costumes. So like That's in the awesome. original game you would turn like the kid would have like a cardboard robot costume on, but when he goes into combat he turns into like a Gundam robot yeah. to fight. And so Costume Quest two, you know, follows that same premise and kind of the joy of that game is like all of the ridiculous costumes. So one of the costumes was Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. And his like special ability was like declaration of decimation or oh, something. Wow. So like and they, they have like really crazy um almost like like final fantasy summons you know yeah yeah so like thomas jefferson would like write something on a scroll and then like throw the scroll at the enemy and then the enemy would like open up the scroll like with like spectacles on and like read it and all of a sudden they'd explode (laughs) you know like it's just like ridiculous i love it but okay the thing that i want to talk about is the game that i this is my game that i think everyone's gonna leave packs and go like oh did you play this like it's gonna be that thing it's gonna be like the dive kick okay of this packs and the game is called gang beasts right gang beasts okay. gang beasts and it looks like it might be sort of in a it's early a good stage name. yeah and kind of what it is is like it is a physics based royal rumble with like weird little like gelatin looking characters that are all like in animal costumes <laughs> And I listened to you try and describe this to people last <laughs> night and everyone like after one sentence just sort of like glaze over. Yeah. They're like, I don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's somewhat, really hard to describe verbally. Somebody, somebody explained like, I've never played Octodad, but they said it looked, looked like Octodad in terms of like the physics. Cause you're just like noodly. Like, so yeah, all yeah. these noodly characters, there's like, it's an eight player game, first of all. Yeah. So eight players like have all these like noodly physics and they're trying to kill each other, kill each other, but it's not like final fight yeah. combat. It's, it's like slap fighting and you can pick people up and try to throw them into these environmental hazards or throw them off the level. Yeah, I saw like the subway tunnel that you yeah. throwing, throwing people into the subway as yeah. is a terrible advice for kids. Don't yeah. throw people into the subway kids. It's not like gory at all. It's just, it's just like meant to be silly. It look, I mean, the graphics look really sharp though. It's very pretty to look at. Yeah. It's kind of hypnotic. And all the levels are just wacky and different. Like one level we played was like a pit of fire with like meat grinders along the walls. And then another level was, um, you know, like a giant fan in the bottom of the level with uh, rafters and everybody was fighting on the rafters yeah. and Royal Rumble style was like trying to throw each other over the, the, um, the barriers and like you're hanging on and you're like, no. And then you try to grab the other person, pull them over with you. And like, it just looks like complete chaos. So if you can, I don't know if this game is like online anywhere, but it's called gang beast and just try to look for a video or something. Cause I think this is the thing that everyone's going to be talking about. Awesome. So awesome. tonight, I mean, or last night, yes. What did we do last night? Uh, last night we went to a sort of community event for the dragon age keep. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of our chums from the site were there. So it was good to see everyone. It's kind of meant to be like an intimate setting for some of their core fans that are already using the keep yeah providing a lot of feedback for absolutely them. and um you know it was really it was really good the thing about this that i think is important is i don't think a lot of people understand how much work went into it and so you could tell they were like they were fatigued it was their... basically something it's it's a thing that they don't even have to do yeah you know but they're doing it no and it's gonna be awesome and it, it like it you can tell it took a lot of man hours to build it. And I'm not just like blowing smoke up their asses. I honestly think like, um, you know, like you were just saying, they could have come up with another way to like bring in character details and profiles. Like mm-hmm. you could have clicked like five or six things, 
But this is as detailed as you can possibly be in terms of creating a, a save file to bring into uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Not, I mean, like, I can't at this point, I can't even remember what we can and can't talk about. But like, yeah, the stuff that is coming just like in the next couple of weeks is incredible. Yeah. And like, just from, you know, like, if you're not in the keep and you but you kind of know what it's about. Yeah. Like, and you imagine like some things that might be on a list called like nice to haves. Yeah. Like they know what those things are and they're, they're trying to build some yeah. of those like nice to haves, like into the keep. It's really incredible. Like it's yeah. so impressive. It's so really cool. Kudos. And kudos the team to that, that team. worked on. It, it's super nice, really <clears throat> passionate about it. And it, you know, unfortunately since it is like, um, it, it is something extra. I don't know mm. if they'll get the, the accolades they really deserve because it's not like a traditional, you know, it's not like they're building a, it's not like DLC. Game. That yeah. It's not a like DLC. Built into it's the not game. a game. Um, you know, it's web based, but you know, it's still something that should really be kind of heralded for its, for its innovation. They, you they know? use the word like tapestry. So they're, they're basically trying to preserve the tapestry of your dragon age universe across like all of you yeah. know, the entire franchise because they know how much it means to people and that's like it's that's wild man like, i think it, like the core dragon age fans will be very pleased with what this tool is and like all of the effort that they put into making this like amazing and i think i think it also gives fans like kind of casual fans and new fans a way to like become involved like in the newer games without having really a lot of experience with the previous games yeah, yeah. And I think, like, you know, if you want to use this tool and you don't want to go through every single little um, minor decision, mm-hmm. which you can do with this tool, um, there's still ways to, like, just impact the major decisions. Basically, the, like, the top tier of the of the yeah. tapestry is, like, the major decisions, mm-hmm. and there's some minor decisions below it. So, um, really cool. The team is great. They were really nice to everyone. Um, it was a good way to kind of end the evening, and then we went off, and uh, we were going to play some board games, but uh, it was loud and crowded, so we just kind of hung out and talked. Yeah, the Sheraton apparently was the place to be on Saturday night, like in the lounge area, because it was just overrun. Yeah, it was with, wild. Yeah, everybody. It's so, so close to the convention center. that. Yeah, it was, like, but it was uh, tons of fun. It was good seeing everyone, <laughs> and we'll be back uh, later with uh, day three news. We got some fun stuff planned today, so yep. thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Today is Sunday. It is, and it's actually Sunday. So it's Sunday near the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Floor closes in just a little bit, and Scott and I wrapped up our adventures. Yep, I got to get out of town here in yeah, a couple hours, so which is a bummer. Yep, that's all right. I'm gonna take a take a nice red eye flight home and hang out in Cincinnati for a couple hours. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, I've never been there, so if there's anyone, a, there's a song about Cincinnati. Yeah. WKRP. If anyone retroactively wants to meet me in Cincinnati in a few hours, like, come meet me. Excellent. Yeah. Um. Anyways. We split up this morning, went to <clears throat> two different places. Yeah. So what, what did you do this morning? So oh, you this morning to... I went to the panel, the mm-hmm. uh, Games Industry Royal Rumble 2. First time they did it was at um, PAX East last year, and it, I didn't make it because it was pretty early on uh, Sunday at East. And... Uh, what the games industry Royal Rumble is is they take a bunch of 
personalities from the, the video game biz. So they have some producers and some community guys and they have um, people from different publications like, you know, IGN and Kotaku and uh, Polygon. And then they play the N64 classic uh, WWF game from the year 2000, I believe, which blown up on a giant screen has some of the most ridiculous, like just looking at the graphics on a giant screen it will, will make you laugh. Sure. Out it's loud. incredible. Like you have not lived until you've seen <clears throat> Paul Bearer in graphics from 14 years ago. <laughs> he honestly looks like the most hideous mutant ever. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Paul Bearer. Yeah. Um, so it, it's hilarious. They definitely got incredibly theatrical this time. Um, you know, and it's funny because the games industry is very, very small. So everyone knows each other. So it's like a, you know, a giant, um, it's like all, all these friends just having the most ridiculous time humanly possible. So they all dressed up in costumes. They all had like, you know, WWF style, like burn speeches where they get up and just like <laughs> shout at each other. Um, you know, they dressed up like the undertaker and came out and smashed glass bottles on one another's head. And people were like falling on the ground and rolling around and, and shouting and being totally ridiculous. But it was, you know, it was really funny. It was a a hilarious time. Unfortunately, the girl next to me kept coughing and I was feeling her spittles. So if I die, thank you girl sitting next to me at that panel for not knowing how to cover your fucking mouth. Yeah. (laughs) So what did you do, Scott? Uh, Okay. So this morning I went back for another, another bout with Fantasia music evolved. And, uh, so I, I actually was in the front of that line and I could see the rumble line queuing up before you got down there. Yeah. And it was crazy. People were showing up with like signs, like they were going to like an actual wrestling event, like signs that they had spent more than like five minutes writing on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is going to become a thing. I really do. I think it's going to become a really a popular PAX event. Um, they're going to have to start holding it in a wrestling ring. Oh yeah, you for know, sure. Like put the like the TV and the game console like put the players like in chairs like in the wrestling ring. Yeah, and then project the game onto the screen behind them. It's gonna happen. It would be. It's awesome. got to happen. It was really like it was well put together though. But how was uh how was your second bout with Fantasia? I crushed it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not gonna be shy about it. I obliterated it. You did quite well. Yeah, huh? I had to go. You have to go through four rooms in the Fantasia challenge in order to complete it. And I got to the fourth room and I just killed. I got like 93%, five-starred the song. The girl in the room was like, man, I've never seen anyone do that before. And I was like, it's because yeah. I know what I'm doing. You, you're pretty damn good at those. Yeah, games. so that was that was the, the fun part of the morning. And then you went to speak with some people, yeah? Yeah, so I talked to um, the, the folks that made Evolve, which uh, we had an interview set up through 2K. And we didn't really know exactly what we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I really ended up loving this interview and I can't wait to share with you guys. But I talked to them about, um, you know, from really from from concept to to near completion, like what it was like coming up with this 4v1 idea and some of the different uh, iterations the game went through. I learned a lot of things um, about the game. Like initially it wasn't class based. It was just uh, all the players had like a selection of uh, tons and tons of gear they could choose from. That gear would kind of build a class, but they they decided that they wanted to go the route that they went and introduce um, different classes, each with distinct abilities and, um, you know, uh, really distinct personalities, which was very important to them. So I talked to them about that. Um, what may be a scoop or may not be, I don't know. Uh, it was revealed that by launch there will be 12 playable characters, and right now there's only eight, so there's going to be three of each class to choose from. It's incredible. Uh, there's also going to be 
uh, three or four monsters. I have to re-listen to the audio, but I know there's going to be a monster uh, that you get specifically for pre-ordering. So um, mm. the the other thing Incentives. that they said is that there is um, they're building the game so that everyone will always be able to play together. So um, if you say get a piece of DLC or a piece of content like that extra monster, you'll still be able to play against people that don't own that content. So um, that I think is really pretty important because there's nothing worse than you know having a bunch of friends like for instance let's call matt out matt hasn't gotten the titanfall dlc yeah so when we play we can't play with matt on those maps Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like okay well we have to play the vanilla which isn't a big which isn't a big deal yeah but um in in this new uh in evolve you would be able to all play together and they i believe they said it's going to ship with 12 maps which is actually pretty huge. That's wild. Yeah, 12 maps and also um, a bunch of game modes that have yet to be announced. So if you're not into the typical 100 be 100 mode that, that mm-hmm. you've been playing at these game shows, um, then there's going to be other stuff announced coming very soon as well. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, that was a really fun interview, and I think you guys will like that when we put that out live. And then after that, we went to play uh, Don't Starve with Friends. Don't Starve Together. With friends. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you were so friendly when you played the game. You know, I was... Uh, okay, so we sat down to play Don't Starve Together, which is the multiplayer version of Don't Starve that is um, f- playable for the first time here at PAX. And uh, it is a persistent state world, which I thought was really cool. I didn't yeah, know that. So you're going to be able idea. to have you know, a, a server that kind of remains intact and your friends will be able to log in and, and run around and build stuff. And then you can log in and run around and build stuff. So it's, um, not only that, but if you die, you can come into the game as a new player and like your skeleton of your old player will still be there. So it's like, you could actually try to maintain a world for as long as possible before you like run out of resources or like your island obliterates or something, you know, I think that's also something I was going to ask them about because we did an interview with these guys as well. Um, you know, it's possible to pull an Easter Island and actually like cut down every single tree and be fucked. So Mm -hmm. you'd have to, you know, really kind of manage. If you have a lot of people on your server, you got to be careful to just not, you have to worry about, you know, food. You have to worry about all those things. So more doesn't necessarily mean better. Yeah. Uh, you have to, you know, budget and manage all those resources. Which it is almost sounds cool. like it could turn into, I said it would like, it could turn into lost. You know, it's like yeah, all these yeah. people are living on an island together and trying to get food and supplies. And it's like, oh, we planted a forest, but then like some jerk burned it all down for no reason. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's like total madness. Yeah. So I was a kind of a dick. Um, he told me that there is a PVP component so you can... Uh, hold down the control key and actually attack other players. You're just doing what he told you to do. And I yeah. ran through the forest after the other players with a hatchet, just <laughs> screaming like strange things, and started this like little bit of a war. And then it was really fun. And it was it, funny because the guy was like, "Oh, uh, they have an item that they can use to revive you when you die." Because the other thing is that they added is that when you die in this multiplayer game, you turn into a ghost, and the ghost has this mechanic where they can haunt things and still get a chance to like. Uh, be revived before you uh, die completely. So like yeah. the guy was like, oh, you know, they have an item that they can give you and, and you'll come back to life. So he goes around the table and he's like, hey, there's an item. And they're like, oh, who is it? No, we're not. Yeah, they wouldn't resurrect me because like, I was running after people. They're like, we're not bringing them. him back to life. He can yeah. die. Yeah. I actually tried to like rob them. Um, I was like, hey, give me all your firewood or I'll, or I'll <laughs> cut you. 
and they didn't give me their firewood, so I started chasing them. And I was uh, like, I don't, I don't know these. They people. ganged up on you and they killed you. They did. It was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Don't Starve, and I think multiplayer is just what it needed. So, uh, it, it's already playable. They say, you know, they're testing out to see how many people it works with. They said they have it working with like I want to say they set up to 15. Yeah, that was just internally. Internally, so, like, so right, they, it may go down. I'm assuming. Yeah, right now it's like I think four players is what yeah. they're what they're I think shooting. Four is a good number. Yeah, you know, you don't want it to be crowded. That would be weird. Yeah, but I mean that that I think he said that it was four people at a time, so you could feasibly have a server that like you and like. 10 other people play on, but only four people go on to the server at a time to play. So you could actually really maintain something interesting there. Yeah. Um, So the next thing we did is we got a little more Dragon Age position. Yeah. So we actually got to talk to uh, Scylla and Billy from uh, Dragon Age multiplayer, and they've been working on it. I didn't realize, but for two years. (laughs) So we learned some some new stuff about that, about the development Mm -hmm. process of the AI multiplayer. Did an interview with those guys, and you guys will, of course, be able to hear that. Um, it's going to be good. It is good. It's really good. Those guys, uh, the thing that I, I like, in you can always tell when a developer really loves what they've made because they're incredibly enthusiastic and excited to talk about it. And these guys, even after two years, still are excited to not only talk about their product but play their product and they're really excited to see other players play their product. So you could you could tell that they're enthusiastic. You could tell they were happy. And uh, what's some of the stuff that we learned about it? Um, well, it's hard because we've we, been talking about it all we, weekend. You know, because so. yeah, because we've seen a lot of it, and there's like things that they're working on that they can't talk about yet. Obviously, mm-hmm. we I mean, like you'll hear in the interview. A lot of our interviews, we kind of ask them questions of, about the progression of the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, like they brought people over from from mass three multiplayer to like work on this project. So they had expertise from that project, um, things that they learned from that experience. And, you know, the DAI, DAI multiplayer is almost, it's a completely different beast, mm-hmm. you know, like even though, even though, you know, some of the personnel came over, it's really, it's completely unlike, you know, the mass thing because it's, I feel like it's, it's more important for teammates to work together and use their abilities to overcome the challenges. And, you know, cause you know, there's this whole thing about doing like lone wolf in, in, you know, mass three multiplayer. And like, that's all, cool and everything but like i really feel like you know they they had mentioned that in the demo that they had this weekend at the time we spoke with them which was like sunday afternoon only three teams had beaten it mm-hmm. and the only reason like the third team beat it is because they watched the team in front of them beat it yes we heard the skinny yeah they, they, <clears throat> they saw the the methods yeah. yeah so i mean it's it's definitely something that and they the, the demo was on normal by the way so mm-hmm. like that's you know yeah you can, and that's we're talking we're talking about like hundreds if not thousands of people all weekend that have been playing this and so it is very challenging yeah which i think is great um some of the things we learned about uh that you guys will hear about in the interview is you know there is character progression uh the level cap right now is level 20 and then you're gonna be able to prestige your character similar to how you did mass effect 3 multiplayer when you prestige your character you'll have um I guess new new points to allocate mm-hmm. when that character is reset back to level one, so that you can you know multiple you could prestige a character multiple times and kind of boost them to you know eventually be able to take on you know the equivalent of platinum yeah. level. Oh, and there's the item system too. He basically said that um, you if you get items that you don't want, you can melt them down and use them as crafting components to to you know build items that you actually want to use or um, items that augment your existing weapon. So mm-hmm. you know. He said, like, you know, if you play as a mage all the time and then you open up a treasure chest and you get a sword, I don't want that sword. I want to use a staff. Like, you mm-hmm. can melt that down, use the crafting components, and then get something that you actually want, which yeah. I think is really cool. Yeah. Another thing that um, probably one of the things that I'm excited about the most 
is the fact that each one of the multiplayer characters, and this is something we talk about in the interview as well, ha- does have a definitive personality. They're yeah. not just um, you know mindless automatons. They have a, a backstory that ties into the lore of the universe. Um, they're, they're actual people. It's incredible. Yeah, they're actual people. Yeah. They have banter between one another. Uh, there's stuff going on. Like I just walked by the base um, a minute ago to see if there's anybody there that I knew, and I, I was listening to more multiplayer talk up on stage, and they were saying that, you know, uh, like for instance, the um, the female with the two-handed was the Ravager, uh, the Reaver, 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 yeah. Reaver. Mm-hmm. I said that again today. Yeah. So the Reaver, she uh, was actually in the lore that they have. It doesn't even say this on her card, but the lore that they said she was one of the. Uh, enemies that you fought in the urn of sacred ashes quest in dragon age origins and she escaped and then tried to go through a reform and then basically she was tainted and like her her true lore like within the dev team is that she was there during that quest with the warden and then went off and did her own thing and like now she's fighting for the inquisition as like a form of redemption so there's a lot going on with these characters yeah it's really really cool Uh, other things i heard them kind of mutter um the dev team was up there talking and they said that they would like to bring in uh, like golems and werewolves. So man. you can expect to see it. Guys. Oh, man. It's gonna if be... they want to see it and you want to see it, you can expect to see it. It that... might not be for a while. Yeah. But that um... multiplayer is going to be off the chain, though. But you remember, like they added an entirely new set of enemies into um, Mass 3 multiplayer when they added the the protheans right yeah. isn't that how that worked they yeah they added yeah absolutely so and, like uh, expect similar you know i guess you could expect new maps new yeah, modes constantly evolving game mode it's going to be mm-hmm. incredible for and, sure yeah you know, 12 it's launching with 12 characters and they said there's going to be more <sighs> coming so, so you know a lot of variety a lot of fun a lot of shit going on all the time so that was a very impressive um impressive thing at this particular show yeah so, so then we took a break i did two things the first thing that I did was I went and I took a look at a game called uh, Upsilon Circuit, which is okay. um, from Robot Loves Kitty, and they did Legend Dungeon. Legend of Dungeon, right? Yeah. So they have a completely insane idea for this new <laughs> project, um, which is called Upsilon Circuit. And the idea behind the game <clears throat> was that it's supposed to be a perma permadeath roguelike game, which involves somehow an audience Mm -hmm. and then you as the player, the way it was explained to me was that, you know, the the idea is that the game will some someday become big enough where the idea of permadeath is that if you die, you'll never get to play again (laughs) because the queue will be so big. The audience will be so big. So imagine like the price is right where it's like they call you down and it's your turn to play the game. And so I believe that the way it works is that the audience decides how what kind of enemies appear in the game like how they like they decide how your xp is allocated not you so it's like the audience basically controls your fate and you are in the game trying to survive and play and it's like a dungeon crawler oh man like isometric like 3d dungeon crawler wow and then in the booth they had this like gigantic television screen with uh like a giant uh computer generated head on it similar to max hedrum even though this this head creature would tell you that he's nothing like Max Hedrum and much cooler than him. <laughs> um, basically like shouting at you and he's supposed to be like the game show host. So you're playing with like, they had two systems set up and they were playing and like the host was like shouting at you and like making fun of you and cracking jokes. And like two people were playing and like we were in the same game and they told me that it was possible to work together or you could kill one another. And they said that if you kill your opponent, you get all the points that they accumulated uh, through the playthrough. So there's That's like, ridiculous. there is an uneasy tension that takes place in the game, almost like, um, 
uh, like the Running Man. Yeah, you know, it's kind of kind of yeah. weird like that. Sounds so. just like it. Yeah. So that was that was that. What did you do during our our little break? Uh, I came back here and um, shout out to the the folks that run uh, Dragon Age Keep because they gave us a bunch of keep codes and we were giving away some keep codes to uh, followers and stuff like that. So. I came back and kind of managed that for about an hour and ate a sandwich and nice. and kind of relaxed. So yeah. That's what I did. And then we went back oh, out. There's one more thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the other thing was, I think at the request of someone on Twitter, it may have been uh, Clog, Clog Glip, uh, Chris, uh, asked to go check out Salt and Sanctuary, which is the new game from Ska Studios. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I sat down and I played the game for a few minutes. And while I didn't get to talk to anybody and I didn't quite understand what was going on, I was playing a sort of a 2d side scrolling um, like dungeon style game, but it was kind of darker looking. I was climbing a tower and fighting kind of like zombie creatures. And in my inventory, I had salt, which okay. is I'm assuming part of the name of the game. Mm-hmm. And I'd never figured out what the salt was for, but like the character, when I tried to activate that ability, like would basically throw a salt packet on the ground and then stomp on it. <laughs> and like a cloud of salt would appear. So hmm. um, what I can say about the game is that it was really fun um, it had a really great kind of, uh, Gothic art style it was very dark looking. Um, it looked like very polished already, like yeah. had like a bunch of, um, different weapons and items to use. Um, there was like a torch. So there's like parts of the game that are dark. You can use the torch to kind of like, uh, bolster yourself up. There are a couple of game systems that I didn't understand. So, um, even in this state, the game looks uh, really impressive. I believe that it is going to be on ps4 because that's the controller i was holding in my hand when i played the game so i don't really know if it's coming to any other systems but um salt and sanctuary is something to keep eye on definitely looked pretty interesting just from the few minutes that's awesome and we love when you guys by the way want us to check out stuff and um and we love to you know kind of go go after the titles that you want to see yeah it's cool i had like a like a hand-drawn thing so i i think um I definitely think uh, that it's it's something worth following up on. So it was it was very cool. So if anyone was interested in that title, um, I would encourage them to pursue it. Awesome. Yeah. And then our last appointment of the day was with the Behemoth, mm-hmm. and uh, we got to see their new title, which at the beginning of PAX was actually unannounced, and um, then it was announced as number four, which we found out is a just a tentative title, which they've been doing with their all their, of their games. games. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I was really actually impressed with this game a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm a big turn-based strategy fan. I'm a big like you know uh, grid-based tactics fan, and so the, the uh, Behemoth is making a turn-based strategy game. Yeah, like hex map, old school style. Yeah, hex map, know? old school style, but in their own weird, quirky style. Yeah, yeah. So definitely check out the trailer for this game. Um, the general premise is is totally fucking bonkers. A, a giant space bear falls out of the cosmos <laughs> and like splits. D- splits in half and like falls in the earth and his blood is like toxic and he causes like a rift in space time. And, and you know, you start off as like a, I think you were like a grape farmer or something like that. And, and then you're on a quest to save your family and you encounter all these quirky characters and um, the combat since you played it is a little bit different than what we're used to. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like, you know, in your traditional turn-based strategy game, you'll, you know, you'll do a move. There's kind of like every character on the map has a turn. Okay. But in this game, um, you decide where all of your forces are going to move. And then you basically execute the plan and all of the, like all of your, um, characters move simultaneously and then just start attacking people. So, um, it's almost, it's like, it feels chaotic and 
it almost feels as if the characters have personalities of their own because you don't actually get to decide who they attack. So if you mm. position one of your characters in between two or more enemies, um, they'll just choose one of them to attack. So like that becomes part of your strategy. Yeah. It also sometimes becomes chaos, but um, it makes for like a much more satisfying experience. And watching them all act at the same time has a very cinematic feel. Like, yeah. Rather than waiting for, you know, move your guy up three hexes, watch him attack, and then, you know, do the next the next character, the next character, the next character. You move all your characters, you hit go, and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. Some characters will like team up and hit people at the same time. Uh, some will go before others. Some will do ranged attacks. So it's all about, you know, your character's position in relation to the enemy. And it creates this really kind of, chaotic but kind of pretty looking you know, onslaught so it feels like more you know it's closer to a real time you know it's not real time because if you really want to just sit there and plan out your moves for your whole team you can but like when all the chaos ensues simultaneously like the game moves much faster which i think benefits that genre um and because it's their crazy style you know it's like all the weird quirky characters yeah you can customize your guys and it also had a mechanic where if you like a particular unit you can create you can make that particular unit your hero unit and he gets like enhanced stats yeah you get uh movement speed and uh like extra hit points right so you can choose like who you want to be your hero um out of uh, a cast of main characters so Mm -hmm. really cool like i was not expecting that from behemoth Uh, i've really liked their games so far but this is a a brand new direction he did say that it was going to be coming uh at least to steam and to xbox one so yeah it was it was uh really impressive i think like in their booth setup i think we should just mention very quickly is that they're you know if you've ever been to pax they always create these crazy like arcade style booths and stuff like that and that's definitely what they did this time and they had like they basically had like a giant green button for like go yeah which is about the size of a softball so big big green button. yeah and then they had a giant joystick to like move around the map like your d-pad essentially Mm -hmm. and then they had this giant lever to execute the maneuvers which is i think the equivalent of holding the y button down but instead you would like pull this giant lever yeah and hold it down and then like all the chaos ensued yeah it actually looked pretty cool and the inside of their booth was amazing too like whenever you get into these um they're like masterfully constructed booths that actually have like a quiet zone so you can get off the hustle and bustle of the floor into like a little quiet area. It had like lawn chairs and like a oh, cappuccino yeah. machine. And a lava lamp. And a lava lamp. Yeah, so it's pretty tight. It was, so. pre- it was pretty That awesome. was a great way to end the day. So I guess that's it for me. All right. So but, that's, uh, that's it for me. I hope. I bye, Scott. Yeah, see ya. So, uh, whoa, what was that? I don't know. Something's in our room. Okay. So it's a ghost. It's it's a ghost. (laughs)